What's going on, everyone? It's the After the Snow podcast back at you. Another episode, another week. Um, your co-host, Dave Mays, and alongside me, the one and only. Freeway Ricky Ross. <laughs> no question. <laughs> what's up, Dave? <laughs> Rick, what's the word? Man, we back at it again. Yeah, man. That's what we do. Getting our, no doubt, you know, no doubt. Get them a, getting a good rhythm going. Yes, um, yes. Busy, like busy again this weekend, man. Another busy weekend. I was in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Tell us about the Lou. How they big doing? Big turnout. There? Big turnout. A lot of good fights. Uh, saw a couple guys that I really like. You know, hopefully I can get them signed up, help them with Excellent. their career, get them moving forward. Uh, but it was it was really nice, man. I had a great time in the Lou. Saw some old friends from high school. Okay. Um, you know, the Lou was the first uh, place that ever arrested me for selling drugs. Really? Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was the first well, place to ever arrest me for selling drugs. So uh, how, did, how, did, how did that happen? When? Uh, I think that might have happened like 84, 83. You know, I went down there and, you know, kilos were selling for like 64,000 a kilo. So uh, I was going to make the Lou home. Oh, that's what they were they were paying in St. Louis, sixty-four thousand. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was good money. You know, yeah. I was killing the game with that one. So yeah. uh, you know, I I I got me a little condo down there, was gonna move in and you know, had a little incident, you know, uh the cops in LA raided my girl's house and uh she was crying and, you know, even though I got her right out of out of jail, she was still crying and wanted me to come home. So uh, I still had about four kilos left, you know, when 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 that happened down in St. Louis. And uh, I, I was keeping them, you know, I used to keep all my dope in the trunk of a car. But my boy who I'm down there with, his dad had saw the car I was driving, you know, it was just a bucket, you know, something mm-hmm. I just got just for, for, for right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, his dad saw the car and he just loved the car, right? So I said, well, man, when I finish with it, you can have this car. So uh, when I jump on the plane and, and uh, go back to Cali, my boy take the four kilos that I had left in the trunk of the car out the car and put them in his house. And then he had a partner that played for the St. Louis Cardinals at the time. And the dude called him for an ounce of cocaine and he was setting him up with the police. So the police wound up raiding his house. They thought they were just raiding for one ounce of cocaine. But then when they searched yeah. the house, they found four kilos. So, uh, you know, all hell broke loose. Man. So you, you ended up getting charged. Did you, were you able to uh, beat that or what, what happened? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I beat that case. Yeah. Yeah, I beat the case. That was no question. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have no evidence on me. Only thing they had on me was a plane ticket. You know, I had a plane ticket that I had left in his house uh, with my name on it. And, yeah. You know, so that threw me on the indictment. Got but it. he stood up. You know, he went to court, stood up, took his took his charges, you know, uh, took everything mm-hmm. and, and everything worked out for me. But it was the first time that the feds had ever arrested me, uh, uh, period. Oh, so it was a federal. So the feds were in St. Louis like that, like trying to, you know. Well, you know, when 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 you bring me involved in California okay. and bringing it from California to St. Louis, you know, right. they they just you know all that stuff just comes to play. So, uh, right. 
But anyway, it was kind of like a homecoming for me, you know, going back to St. Louis. Yeah, good. Um, I, I really like the place. You know, I like the people, uh, a lot of cool folks, you know, and, and you know, treated me with a lot of love down there. So sold a few books, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was a great time overall. I really enjoyed it. Um, can't wait to go back. Okay. All Shout right. out to the Lou, uh, the promoter Dave, put on a great fight. Uh, me and him are looking forward to doing some things in the future. Um, and like I said, there's four fighters that that I'm really interested in uh, signing up. Okay. If at all possible. <laughs> so okay. that was my weekend this weekend, man. All right. We, we were here in Chicago. You know, summertime shy is, is kicking off here finally. This is when things get you know, much more exciting and lively in Chicago. And uh, we were out on the lake Saturday night. They have fireworks out there every Saturday night. And a friend of ours took us out on their boat to watch the fireworks. That was pretty nice for for me and Brett. And, uh, yeah, we were out on the river walk the night before, um, which is a real nice area where the river uh, runs through the middle of downtown and uh yeah man so you're gonna be home on the 25th uh i know i'm gonna be there on the 25th we got an expungement clinic uh, uh going on there again so uh i'll be back in chicago on the 25th i think 25th 26th uh, okay we'll be there doing expungement clinics you know where, where where we help uh people get their records clean okay i should be here so i want to come out and join you when uh when you do that here That'll be dope. That'll be dope. I'll be glad to have you out. You know, anytime we get to kick it, it's always because, you know, we be going like, all right. You know, we be crossing each other in the air, man. Right. Right. Well, I'll be here. I go I go to L.A. on the 26th or the 27th. Um, So hoping you'll be back in L.A. after that. I don't don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just do Chicago and then I'm I'm coming straight back. Uh, I should be here until uh, the essence. I'm going to the Essence Festival this year. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to go down there and uh, sell some books. <laughs> oh. Yeah, New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. See what, see what that's like, man. Have you been to Essence Fest? Never been there. But, I, you know, I've been to New Orleans a few times. I, I love New Orleans. You know, yeah. I got some great friends there. I also got a couple fighters, you know, uh, uh, that I work with down there. Uh, Album Vermeer. Out of there, and another guy that uh that I've been talking to, uh, Silk, uh, great fighter. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh me and him can do some business. Okay, I'm, I'm really getting heavy in this fight game, man. This thing is really, really picking up, day. Yes, it's exciting to see it happen, man. And I'm enjoying it. You know, just yeah. Um, you know, you know, fighting is so it's a brutal sport. You know, real brutal. Um, you know, it's for people who like to see blood and like to see two guys go at it, man, and and, and you know, see who's the most dominant. So uh, I, I'm cool with that part of it. But what I really like is the people in the game, you know, the ones that uh, that I believe I'm going to be able to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up, man. Glad, glad that's moving forward and you, you build a momentum with that. So, um, you know. Yes, yes. You ready to get on with this show, man? That's enough about what I've been doing, man. And 
Yeah, yeah. You know, but I've just been excited, man. You know, life has been so good, you know. Uh, you know, coming from where I come from, man, when you've been sitting up in them boxes and, and you, you can't do nothing and, and now you're out here and, and you're really getting to see the the, the fruits of, of your labor, you know, materialize. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, man. So, yeah, I just be excited. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Snowfall season one, episode seven we're up to. So we're getting, you know, into the final stages of the first season um the title of this episode is cracking cracking um so you know this is a this is a pivotal episode where uh they go to oakland and you know they discover crack and how to make it um so we want to want to talk about that but um <laughs> you know that's really the big there's some big, interesting stuff interesting stuff happening in here man this guy this guy Franklin, man, I, you know, either he's naive or or the fucker's heart is as big as the Empire State Building, man, because he, he he be doing some shit. He, he, he be all over the place, man. This dude, this dude takes so many chances, man. You know, like he he does stuff that that we never would have done in 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 the dope game. You know what I'm saying, like. <laughs> Right. Nowhere do you do some of the things that he's done. You know? <laughs> he he stays walking around with a backpack full of kilos <laughs> by, by himself all over the you know the country wherever. <laughs> Don't know nobody, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. He ain't got a clue where he's going. And, you know he just you know he's just off, man. And you know you know, but one of the, one of the things that 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 really got me and and. You know, and this is the the last episode that we watch. You know, and I, I just I just can't stop thinking about like there's no black that lives in L.A. would have went to East L.A. trying to sell a Mexican gang no cocaine, right? Without without an introduction, you know. You know, I, I mean, All right. You know, you can go to those places, but you can't go over there just like no random motherfucker pulling up in the right. hood. Man, that just don't happen, man. Right. You know, any right. anybody, I, I, and that's why I say he had to be naive, but, you know, his heart just had to be, you know, he should have had him a bazooka in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would think, you would think he had that everywhere, the way he goes around, man. It's, yeah, you know, man. I mean, and, and then the guy already told him that they killed his, his partner, you know, like, you know, he should have at least been telling dude, man, let me give you 3000 to, to walk me to the door, you know, to take me over there and personally introduce me to, to guarantee my safety because, right. You know, without without those kind of measures, you know, you, there's no guarantee of your safety, you know. So yeah. when, when I see the way this guy, you know, walks around and he tries to sell this cocaine, I'm like, oh, wait, this is amazing. <laughs> Before we get into what happens in Oakland when they get there, um, you know, we're seeing also and Lucia. OK, they. um they brought the kilos over to uh, the Mexicans. Um, they got their money. They're back home celebrating, taking shots. And, you know, of course, they end up, you know, getting it in. Um, Pedro shows up and, 
and peeps what's going on and dips out of there so they don't know uh, he saw them uh, or heard them. But um, so their relationship is growing, you know, into something obviously personal as well as business. So I was thinking of talking a little bit about that, like, you know, mixing personal and business, you know, did that happen to you? All the time. That happens all the time, you know, especially with me, you know, uh, uh, I didn't mind being personal with, with the people that I work with. Um, you know, I found out it's, it's, it's sometimes it's better and safer, you know, if the person that you're working with really has a genuine affection for you as a person outside of the money, it, it makes it a little, a little better, you know, and, and it can cause problems as well. Uh, but, but when you got people who, 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 who really understand the streets, you know, and they understand the street code. One thing that we don't do is we don't bring the police in our business, you know, no matter what happens, uh, uh, the police stay out of it. Um, it usually works pretty well. Now, how about with women? Like, you know, did you have um, a lot of women just kind of coming at you, obviously, because they know about your money and how, you know, how much you got going on? Um, they did. They did. You know, uh, when, when you know, when you, you figure when 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 you in South Central, especially during this time, uh, the average person with a with a great job in, in South Central at that time made about three or four hundred dollars a week. And I'm talking about that was like considered a great job. If I would have got one of those jobs, I never would have been selling dope. Right. <laughs> right. So now you're talking about somebody that's. Just at the low stage is making ten thousand a week, you know, uh, uh, with no job, you know, no kids, no responsibility, you know, just ten thousand dollars just coming in every single week. Uh, you know, women take notice of that. You know, one of the, one of the most most things that, that that I find out about most women is they're they're looking for security first and foremost. You know, if you can offer a woman security. Uh, She'll take you if you're a little ugly, you know. Um, I was telling some of my friends a joke one time. It was this um, this young lady. She was dancing on Soul Train. I'm talking my drop dead gorgeous uh, chick and uh, one of my partners. Uh, we used to call him Stanky, you know, because he didn't bathe. <laughs> oh man, what's going on with Stanky? But he got rich, you know. Yeah. He got rich enough that he had a. a uh, the slant nose Porsche Turbo. Uh, he had the, the big body bands. Um, you know, he had the toys. Well, and he had her riding around with him. So w- when you see that, you like, you know, for for that security and for for that for that money, you know, women are doing. Because I, I I rode in the car with him one time, and I, I said I never ride in there with him again. You know, I had to let my window down, stick my head out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where's the air freshener? <laughs> yeah. But, but women would just get in there and ride with him, you know, yeah. as if um, they couldn't smell it, you know. So when, when you're talking about women and and, and attraction of, of wealth, uh, women are attracted by wealth. Uh, you know, different things, you know, brilliance. And, and and selling drugs is a form of, of, of being brilliant, you know, in, in, my, in my personal opinion. Uh, I used to didn't think so, 
but uh, now that I'm older and wiser and, and I sit back and, and I watch these young guys and what they do and I understand the brilliance in, in their trade. Yeah. So, um, so they take the road trip to Oakland. Um, uh, Kevin's cousin is supposedly the man up there. So, um, Franklin and Leon and Kevin take the road trip. They pull up uh, to this kind of after hour spot late at night, kind of a, a rough looking spot. Um, and they go in, you know, they're a little nervous. You know, they got these two kilos in the backpack. And, you know, <laughs> uh, but Kev says, don't worry, this is my family. We'll be, we'll be good. So they, you know, they go on in there. Um, but, uh, they meet his cousin, his cousin, uh, who's played by someone that you know. That's my man, Red Grant. <laughs> yes. We got another, a couple cameos in this episode. But yeah, let's talk about Red, who pops up as the cousin in Oakland. Um, how long you been knowing Red? Well, you know, I met Red uh, a couple weeks after I was out. Uh, one of my guys talked me into going to a comedy show in, uh, in North Hollywood. And when I got there, Red Grant was the host and, and you know, and I just fell in love with his comedy. You know, he, he was uh, he was marking the rappers, you know, he was rapping the, the, the rapper song about selling cocaine and and blah, blah, blah. And then when he saw me in the audience, I mean, it just, you know, it was like, bam, you know, like connection. We, we, we just hooked up from from that day on, man. And uh, we've been rocking, you know, even even. Uh, it's been times, you know, I gave him a few of my T-shirts when my T-shirt first came out. And uh, I come into, uh, he was ho hosting the Laugh Factory in Hollywood one day. And I walk in and he he got on my T-shirt. And uh, him and Cat Williams, you know, Cat uh, bought about 50 books, you know, gave everybody in the building a book. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we just been rocking ever since, man. I tried to get him today. He didn't pick up the phone. You know, he's running for mayor in D.C., so. Uh, probably got a busy schedule right now trying to trying to become the mayor of of, of dc uh, wow, but i, I definitely would love to get him on the show and yeah. have him sit down with us and just tell us a little bit about what he thought about the show yeah shout out to red grant man and uh i didn't know he was running for mayor so yeah that's big yeah um, yeah yeah running for the mayor so uh, when I saw him in the show, it, it really surprised me because I didn't know you. Well, you know, I haven't paid any attention to this show before. Right. Before you, uh, you know, before you brought me on board with this here. Uh, I had totally been boycotting the show. I didn't want to know who played what role. I don't want to know who directed. I don't want to know who wrote, right. who wrote. I didn't want to have nothing to do with this show, man. Right. Uh, but now, you know, that I'm watching and, and I'm seeing people that I know on there, you know, it's 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 kind of. Yeah, you know, it's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, this place, they're waiting around. The cousin is waiting for his guy, Little Joe, and uh, there's a lot of wild stuff going on. They want to party. Uh, Kev wants to, you know, Franklin sees Kev taking a little bit of the coat. You know, he's telling me he wants to, you know, play around with some of these chicks and, Franklin's getting frustrated. Uh, you know, he's there. He wants to try to do business. And um, yeah, Franklin want to just do business and leave. Right. He's he trying to sell his coke and get out of there. Right. He Which I don't blame him. 
Right. <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't want, he didn't want no parts of all the, the dice games and all the other activities going on at the spot. So um, he ends up just rolling out. And there he is. Well, you know, walking. before that, though, remember the big chick? She tries to get the backpack from him. Oh, yes. He did run up on him. Uh, and he's like, what's with that backpack? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I'm, it, I'm You know what's crazy? You know, it's crazy, and, and I just popped in my head. Man, people wasn't even carrying backpacks back in the, in the right. 80s. Right. <laughs> right. I don't remember that either. Like, Man, nobody wasn't wearing backpacks back then. You know, that's a, backpacks is a kind of a new thing. Right. Uh, but there, so, he, there, there he goes, man, off, uh, off and running, just walking the streets of Oakland in the middle of the night with his backpack of two kilos, walking all over the place. And then he winds up in a vacant building. Right. And, and he follows the chick through the building, not knowing, you know, you know, I've been to some vacant places, you know, because I, I, I like to buy, you know, houses and buildings like that, you know, and refurbish them and stuff. But I'm always a little cautious about going into places where where there's homeless people at, you know, because mm -hmm. you never know what you might run into, you know. Right. Um uh, you know, I don't went in the, the homeless places and in, in, in one of them got a gun. Yeah. You know, so to see him venturing off the way, you know, like I told you earlier, uh, either his heart is 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 this ginormous or, 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 or he's a total idiot <laughs> <laughs> or naive about uh, um, the ways of the world and the ways of, uh, of this drug trafficking business that he's that he's yeah. venturing into. Right. Well, to to his credit, he he kind of says that later on in the episode when he hooks up with uh, with the RZA, one of the other cameos in this in this episode, he says something like, you know, maybe I'm just crazy, you know, but I gotta I gotta learn about this. So before he gets to the RZA, he's in the vacant building, uh, abandoned building that turns out to be the former one of the former Black Panther headquarters in Oakland because he remembers the place or at least he thinks it's the same place. Um, and he's having memories of seeing visiting his dad up there. Um, and it, you the know, flashbacks. flashbacks, he was having the flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that part was cool, you know, uh, uh, um, but it, it still doesn't neglect how, Naive he is to 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 be walking around with two kilos of cocaine in in in, in a backpack. Uh, you talking about mid eighties, easily fifty sixty thousand dollars worth of dope. You know, uh, I know in there they were saying he was getting them for sixteen thousand a kilo at one time, but right. uh, that's a that's a low price, you know. And and that's a price that that somebody probably buying a hundred kilos would get, you know. Right. When I started getting them for sixteen, I had to be buying at least a hundred kilos, maybe one hundred fifty kilos at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was only buying one and two, you know, they was like forty five, forty eight thousand dollars a piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you talking about he's walking around with a lot of dope, and yeah. I don't know, you know, if I would have been going to a new place like that, you know, I would have took what what we call a sample. You know, maybe a couple ounces out, you know, right. something that I could afford to uh, to lose or, or yeah. to give away. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, 
he's he's running around and uh he meets this lady she's smoking a crack like a crack pipe um or free basin maybe i'm not sure what it was um but he's like man i never never seen nothing like this before where'd you get that and he has it taken to to her dealer um and he buys all the dealers stock of of the crack ride when he go runs up on the dealer the dealer's like you know rock with it's rocked up it's cocaine it's rocked up and franklin's like oh man what is that and uh and then um and then he convinces the dealer to take him to the guy that actually makes the crack rock which turns well you know in, in a couple of those scenes what he did was normal what 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 could happen in in in, in that type of incident uh, uh, another point I want to make is that back then nobody was using cigarette lighters to smoke crack with. Uh, everybody was using a, a ROM 151. That's how they smoked their they cocaine. Uh, so they, they got their timing off a little bit. You know, it's like they, they went from the 90s and brought it back to the 80s. Mm. If you understand what I'm saying, mm -hmm. they started smoking out of they started smoking with cigarette lighters. And that's when it really got bad. When people were, were, were really like. Didn't have time, they didn't want to wait to get their rum, because when, when they smoke it with the, the rum 151, they get a cleaner taste from what I what I've been told. You know, I never tried it either way, but uh, what I was told is that when you smoke it with the rum 151, the taste is cleaner and it's, it's more pure, you know, with that cigarette lighter. Uh, they were saying there's something about the taste that wasn't that wasn't there. So they, they, they jumped ahead of themselves, you know, when they implemented the cigarette lighters in there. Uh, but when he offers the lady, you know, to buy her a rock to go and meet her connect, that's something that uh, definitely happens in in the drug business all the time. So he ends up in some kind of laboratory room with the RZA who's playing on an old piano and uh, talking a bunch of shit. And, um, you know, Franklin is trying to convince him um, to teach him what he's doing. And of course he opens the backpack up, shows him two keys. That's when he's like, you know, I might be taking a big risk, you know, doing this, but it's worth it. I got stuff I'm trying to do. I need to know what this is. And uh, he says, he says, you know, I look at you as an artist. You're, you know, creating something. And, you know, artists like to have their creations and their visions spread to the world. So, you know, I'm going to be the guy that can take your, your creation and spread it down to L.A. and so on. That's his pitch uh, to the RZA. Um, and the RZA goes for it. He he uh, decides right. to te teach him how, right. to, how to make the crack rock. Yeah, right. For free. For free. <laughs> for free. Just because just Franklin was a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, for free, man. I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy, man. You know, they, they charged me so much to teach me how to cook, man. I paid, fuck, I paid one guy like $80,000, 75000 Then I paid another guy about 65000 Then I paid another guy like 30000 to to eventually, you know, get get different recipes. Um, 
my initial learning how to how to how to cook it up just just straight cocaine and you know i should pay guys 200 300 you know to cook it up for me uh but never free right so <laughs> but this is the this is the big question um that i have which is you know where did crack originate was it in oakland and how did you first learn about it and where and how to make it um that's a big question that a lot of people well, want to know well a lot of people have been trying to i mean you know gary webb tried to figure that out uh uh, Michael Levine, you know, he tried to figure it out, said that he had the answer that it come from uh, um, one of the Colombian countries. Uh, but I don't think nobody really knows the exact uh, uh, answer to that to that question, you know, because it, it spread it uh, uh, so far and so fast. Now, you know, L.A., we were the uh, the biggest crack era, you know, uh, uh, area. In, in the beginning of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the academic. But that don't mean that it started here. You know, it could have started somewhere else. Just it, it caught fire here faster than it did in Oakland. I'm not for sure. Okay. So you didn't go to Oakland uh, and find out about it? No, no, no. They were already doing it. When when I started, they had already, you know, like I said, they, they had been eat the basin for a while, okay. you know, when, when I got started. You know, uh, Richard Pryor and a, a bunch of other people have been what they call Eat the Basin. Now, when when I got there, they had just started uh, playing around with cooking it with baking soda. And uh, it was something else uh, uh, they used to put in it. What was that called? It was something else they used to put in it that 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 would make it rock. But it gave it a, a nastier taste than the baking soda. So mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> it was already there. But. Like I said, it was just a few people doing it. When I got started, it was really the elite that was that was really fee basing. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the everyday person. You know, the everyday person couldn't afford it. Remember, I told you when I first started, a gram of cocaine was about three hundred twenty five, three hundred fifty bucks for one gram. Yeah. So what so, was the what was the first time you saw a crack rock? Because there's the free basin, but at some point. It transitions to the crack rocks. Um, when, when was the first time? I saw, I saw rock almost immediately, you know, almost the same time I saw cocaine. You know, my boy gave me the cocaine. I took it in uh, a day or so. You know, I was with Martin and he was cooking that shit up. You know, he was turning into rock. OK, so, so Martin was somebody he already knew how to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Martin was a pimp. Martin was old. He was one of the big homies, but but you know he was a pimp, and uh, 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 I guess you could say he was my first customer. Hmm. He was my very first customer, even though he didn't pay me for the 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 rock that you know the bag that I gave him. Uh, he brought Big Mouse back to me, and and that was what kicked my business off. Had he not brought Big Mouse to me, uh, I don't know if I would have ever been a cocaine dealer. So now who's Big Mouse? Uh, Big Mouse was, he, he ran with Tookie and Jamel, you know, uh, big swole dude, had about some 22, 23 inch arms, you know, was a crip. 
a pimping crib. <laughs> Remember, the only people that could afford it at this time was like people who who were getting some real money. Yeah. You know, you couldn't be no no chump uh, smoking cocaine. Right. So so you know, Mouse Mouse was was a pimp or, or a halfway pimp. You know, just like uh, Martin was. Uh, but they was they was playing with they was playing with cocaine. So nobody really knew at that time that it was addictive. You know, it wasn't you know, they wasn't selling their cars. They wasn't taking off their jewelry. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like that at that time. This is like, you know, they hit it tonight. You know, at the end of the night, they hit it. And maybe tomorrow, you know, more or less like that. You know, not like it became you know, Martin, uh, Martin and uh, uh, and Mouse eventually became addicts, you know, where they no longer was pimping and all they wanted to do was stand on the block and, and hustle rocks for, for, for the young boys. Oh, man. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, so it, it really broke them down. So how quickly did you, you kind of see your business Trans, transforming from just the coke you were selling at first to really the crack, and was it the crack that really helped expand it to a much bigger business for you? Yeah. Well, well, what what happened is I I had been selling the coke, but I didn't know how to cook it. So what they would do is they would cook it for themselves. But what happened is I peeped a game that people would come by my house at six in the morning and they wanted to get a blast before they go to work. So some of them would be like, oh, man, I left my utensils at the house. You know, they're cooking utensils because they used to cook it up right in their car with, with, with 151 rum. They would actually take a torch and, and they would be in their car cooking Rocking the coke because they, they you could rock it up with with the rum too you know they, they the 151 rum was like a part of the other game you know what I'm saying mm. they probably made so much money off the cocaine business mm. you know like another one of those incendiary companies that benefited just like baking soda you know right. baking soda benefited from from the coke game so people would be sitting in their car at six in the morning cooking up cocaine so what came to my mind is why not already have it cooked for them. And that's when we started the term ready rocked, you know, meaning that it's already rocked up. You ain't got to rock it up. Mm. All you got to do is store it on your pipe. So once we did that, the business really started picking up because, you know, some people still didn't know how to cook. Mm. And and a lot of people were scared to cook it because they were scared of messing it up. You know, mm. it was a thing where people like when I first started, they had me believing that. If, if I tried to cook it and I didn't know what I was doing, I could just run the whole cocaine where it would just evaporate and be gone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't want you figuring it out. Um, right. They didn't want they, they wanted you to keep paying them to do it. You know, right. that's how they made their little two or three hundred dollars. Right. 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 Interesting. Well, um, yeah, I think, you know, overall, this is the best part of this episode because it is kind of a slow episode. You know, it, it's not a lot of real action that happens. There's a lot. He spends a lot of time with the RZA and learning how to, you know, make 
the the rock and all, all the rizzers tell them all this stuff shout out to the rizzer man another good uh another good look for for hip-hop in uh in the show of course rizzer's been you know doing his thing in the acting world for a long time uh not just the music um so shout out to rizza have, have you ever met rizza any of the uh, wu-tang yep i met rizza um uh, it, it was some years ago when i met rizza uh, oh. I, we were at some movie at some movie production company, okay. And uh, me and him, uh, we 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 spoke a few words. Yeah, Mecca. I'm, I'm mostly cool with Mecca and Redman, though. You know, they're yeah. my boys. You know, they both in the cannabis industry too. So that's right. Uh, everywhere, I, everywhere I run into Mecca, though, he showed mad love. I ran into Mecca in Oregon uh, at a festival, and uh, we went back to the hotel and. Uh, we bought some some champagne bottles and, and, and just kicked back, man, and had a good time. Uh, last time I saw a Red Man, though, we spoke at a college in New Jersey. Okay. Um, I can't even think of the name. It might have been Auburn University, Auburn or something like that university. But we okay. spoke on the same panel uh, 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 back there. So, yeah. Yeah, I know a few of Wu-Tang. Shout out Red Man. Shout out Newark. His hometown, yes, but yeah, man. And so, talking uh, about them, you know, I was with uh, Gazelda. You know, I was on stage with Gazelda about a week and a half ago. You know, Gazelda had me on stage with my man Jay Worthy, and uh, to me, they remind me of Wu Tang. Right? Yeah, they do. They they do have a lot of, you know, influence from uh, Wu Tang, and you know, especially Raekwon, Ghostface, and they they show love. They they they've talked about that, but yeah, Gazelda's. You know they're doing their thing, really bringing, you know, another element into hip hop. You know, at a high level, they've really been the driving force of like bringing some of that kind of classic hip hop feel, you know, back into the, the current day music. All, all yeah. that, those guys from Buffalo sold out crowd. I mean, it was jam packed in there, man. You, no yeah. space nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know I, I met Raekwon too. Me and Raekwon, we cool too. The chef. Yeah, Shout yeah, I forgot about Ray. You know, yeah. be so many people, man, that, that you can't remember them all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think we can um, wrap up this week, man. Um, and uh, you know, we'll be back next week. Um, you know, like I said, this episode that was really the main thing that ends with uh Franklin coming back uh with the bag of crack rock all cooked up. He's all excited about it, but Leon and, and Kev are pissed at him because he wasn't there when the, the big man showed up and uh they don't understand it. He said, Look, this is our future right here and uh they get on the he road. He got it. He yeah. got it. He said uh, he got it. Exactly. He don't need exactly. the big man. He exactly. the big man now. Rizzo gave it up for free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No exactly. deal in place. Yeah. So any um any last thoughts before we sign off, Rick? Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see where they go from here. You know, we see them in the projects giving out free rocks. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I was wondering how much did they give out? Did they give away the whole two keys, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but I see them in the projects giving out the free rocks. Um, yeah, you know, to a certain extent, that's something that could happen. 
you know, where you give out samples to get people started. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested to see where, where it goes from here, you know, how, how well the writers uh, are familiar with the, the, the drug culture, um, as well as South Central L.A. Yeah. Yeah, well, we know you know that stuff uh, better than anyone, um, you know, when it comes to South Central L.A. in, in, in the 80s. Um, so, man, just glad to have you uh, doing this podcast and bringing that that knowledge and expertise to the world. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope and I'm sure that our, our fans, our listeners and our viewers appreciate it and appreciate you as well. Well, you know, sometimes you, you need some eyes of somebody who's been there so they can catch the things that, that these writers are not really paying attention to. You know, um, it's very easy to add a, a cigarette lighter to a time, you know, that there was no cigarette lighters and people will, will just let it go by, you know. But uh, <clears throat> that was really an uh, uh, part of the game because I remember precisely around the time that people started using cigarette lighters, you know? Mm. So, uh, I, I just like catching, catching things like that, you know, and try to bring them to everybody's attention. So everybody go, Oh yeah, you right. Wasn't nobody having no cigarette lighters during that time. They wasn't using cigarette lighters during that time. So, you know, it's very important that we keep the history, the history and, and don't, and don't rewrite it. That's right. That's right. So uh, this is After the Snow. This is the Snowfall uh, After Show podcast. And uh, we're doing season one of Snowfall right now. So we'll be back next week talking about episode eight. But uh, thank everybody for uh, checking us out. And um, much love. Peace. Peace.